Hi, I'm Lisa Moore, one of the pastors here at GT Church in Victoria, BC. Welcome to our podcast. All of the content you'll find here is meant to point you to Jesus and to encourage you in your journey wherever you're at. Enjoy the message. Well, hello, everyone. So good to see you. Is anyone there today? Hello, everyone. Good to see you and great to see everyone online. Thank you so much for joining us. If you're tuning in from wherever you are today, we're so glad you're here. My name is Chris Kong. I'm one of the pastors here. I'm the Next Step Pastor. And one of my roles or part of what I do is help people take steps forward in their faith day by day. And I'm so privileged to do that. And we've been studying the book of Matthew in the New Testament since December, if you've been with us, beginning with our series, A Christmas Journey, talking through Matthew chapters one and two. Now our current series is called The Gospel of Matthew. Last week we had Pastor Ron take us through the first half of Matthew chapter 3, and he already shared a study about the, uh, John the Baptist. And I've been enjoying how we've been going through these books of the Bible together on Sunday. I hope you've been enjoying it too. For me, there's been like this growing anticipation inside of me as we go like section by section, verse by verse through the book of Matthew. And there's just so many aspects of Jesus's life that we're, we're getting to and I'm excited for it. It's kind of like waiting in between episodes of like The Mandalorian or maybe like you're looking through like waiting for the book of Boba Fett to drop like next Wednesday. Anyone with me here? No? Okay, just me. Or maybe those of us who are like old enough to remember when, you know, every show you had to watch, like you had to wait until the episodes would come every week, right? You couldn't just binge watch a show in a matter of days or months. Well, the time has come for this week's installment episode of the Gospel of Matthew. And yeah, no further ado, it's here. Come on. We've been studying the life of Jesus, and now we're coming to the part of his story where he's preparing to launch himself into full-time ministry. And if you're taking notes with me today, the title of my message today is The Jesus Calling. The Jesus Calling. And if you have your Bible, I encourage you, you can pull it out right now. You can join me in the second half of Matthew chapter 3, verses 13 to 17. If you don't have a Bible, there's one in the pew right in front of you, or there's a Bible tab on our church online platform, or even you can pull out your phone right now for the first time in church, right? You haven't pulled it out yet, but you could pull it out right now and get your Bible app out. I like to use the YouVersion Bible app. Here we go, Matthew chapter 3, verse 13. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him, saying, I need to be baptized by you. And do you come to me? Jesus replied, let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this, to fulfill all righteousness. Then John consented. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened and he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from heaven said, this is my son whom I love. With him, I am well pleased. This story is just incredible on so many different levels. It's five verses long, but it carries some really important theological concepts and implications for us, and some that I won't even really be able to get to today. However, the reason I titled my message today, The Jesus Calling, is because in this story, I see three parts to Jesus' calling into ministry here on earth. And as we look to follow Jesus Christ and become more like him, We must look to him as a model of how we can and should pattern and live our lives. 
as I wrote this message and now as I share these points with you, I've really been praying that God would speak to you in a real and a tangible way today. So Lord, would you do that? Here we go. The first part of the Jesus calling is that Jesus lived a life of obedience. Jesus lived a life of obedience. Then Jesus came from Galilee to the Jordan to be baptized by John. But John tried to deter him saying, I need to be baptized by you. And do you come to me? I want you to imagine with me this journey from Galilee to the Jordan River. I did some Googling, okay? And it showed me that it was about 245 kilometers on a one-way trip from Jordan, or from Galilee to the Jordan. So just so we can picture that, that's like right now, if we went from right here where I'm speaking or where we are right now, in a straight line, it'd take us almost all the way to Campbell River. 245 kilometers. Whoo! It's out of the way, come on. But Jesus, he was actually so purposeful in embarking on this journey. You know, for me, it wasn't until I moved to the mainland, to the greater Vancouver area, that I realized something about the people of Victoria. We're a bit squeamish when it comes to traveling a distance. Don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying that we don't love to travel the world or go places. I mean, we despise traveling locally, right? If you're a true Victorian, and this is the test, okay, you know that a cross-town visit is like a day trip. (laughs) Or when you're talking to a new friend and you suddenly find out, oh, you live in the West Shore? (laughs) Hey, shout out to our Westies campus. We love you guys. I'm just never going to come visit you. (laughs) In your head, you're thinking, like, when am I going to go out that way next? And you do some quick math, and you're like, oh, you just end up saying to them, yeah, Let's hang out some other time. Who knows when I'm going to be ready for that day trip. The distance is real in Victoria, but it was, it was real in Jesus' day as well. The Bible is actually quiet on how Jesus got to the Jordan. He didn't call an Uber, that's for sure. But if he walked it, it would have actually taken him upwards of 50 hours to walk. You might be wondering, like I did, why would anyone walk for 50 hours? No. Why did Jesus travel that far to be baptized? It's because he knew that it was a crucial step as he launched into his earthly ministry. He wanted to demonstrate his obedience to his father, God. So he humbled himself and took that long trip. In Jesus's day, water baptism was a cleansing ritual. However, as we know, Jesus was without sin. So he didn't need baptism as a cleaning ritual or a rite of passage. He wanted to actually identify with the people that he created, the people that he would ultimately sacrifice his life for. One commentary describes it better than I probably ever could have, okay? Smarter people write better things than I do. Says this, Jesus identified with them so much that he entered their dirty bathwater and stood with them, even though he personally remained clean. Jesus fulfilled this surprising righteousness through obedience to his father. Jesus lived a life of obedience, but it begs the question, why did John the Baptist try to to deter Jesus in the first place? After traveling 245 kilometers and getting to the Jordan River, Jesus pulls up and John actually has the audacity to say, no, not today, Jesus. In John's mind though, he was turning away Jesus for a good reason. He believed that something he recently prophesied was being fulfilled right before his eyes. 
Just a few verses before this, John foretold of Jesus coming to a bunch of religious leaders, Pharisees and Sadducees, in Matthew 3.11. And Pastor Ron mentioned this verse last week. John the Baptist said this, I baptize you with water for repentance, but after me comes one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I am not worthy to carry. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. John the Baptist knew that Jesus didn't need to be baptized in water. He was the one that he'd been prophesying about, the one whose sandals he was not worthy to carry, the one who had baptized with the Holy Spirit and with fire, the very one he was making those straight paths for. But catch this, Jesus' response to him is so important. He says, let it be so now. It is proper for us to do this to fulfill all righteousness. My friends, please don't let this moment pass you by. Jesus, the sinless son of God, the one who is there at the beginning of time, set aside his divine power and privileges, left heaven to be born of a virgin. We just talked about that, right, at Christmas. And to surrender his life to God's plan and purpose to redeem humanity. Do you know what I see when I look at Jesus' actions in this story? I see that Jesus is interested in obedience, not importance. He's interested in obedience, not importance. He didn't seek out a political platform. He wasn't trying to show others how great he was or how perfectly he could live out the religious life. He sought out John the Baptist and he went to him and went into that water as an act of submission. John says, you should be the one baptizing me. And Jesus replies, no, no, it's proper for us to do this to what? Fulfill all righteousness. Let's think about that for a second in our own lives. Do we strive to fulfill all righteousness in the way that we live? The Jesus calling wasn't just for Jesus or pastors. It was actually for all of us. We can call ourselves Christians, but unless we strive to live the way that Jesus lived, we're missing out on a huge part of our faith journey. In the book of Matthew, we see that John the Baptist and Jesus had many fans, but how many of them called themselves followers? Are you a fan or a follower? What's the drive behind your Christian walk? Because the drive behind Jesus' whole life was an encompassing obedience to his Father in heaven. And on this day, in Matthew 3, he went way, way out of his way to obey. Because obeying the will of God was Jesus' way of life. And we have the opportunity, just as Jesus did, to devote ourselves to God through obedience, to involve and include Jesus in our decisions, to share with him in his sufferings and allow him into ours, in the highs and the lows. He actually wants us to live life alongside of him. You know, there's a powerful intimacy that comes when Christ followers have Jesus that nobody else really has. When we start a relationship with him, the Bible says that his spirit takes up residence within us. Thank you, Lord. You know, this truth, it reminds me of my oldest daughter, Noelle. When she was younger, like six months to a year old, she'd be cuddling with my wife, Kirsten. And I know this is a little bit weird to say, but she would cuddle her so hard. She would actually burrow herself into Kirsten. And it was like she was trying to break into her chest 
She just wanted to be closer to her because close wasn't close enough. And for us today, I think that sometimes we as Christians, we forget that we have access to an intimacy and closeness with Jesus that can't be shaken by our circumstances. Close is close enough. He's nearer to you than you know. His spirit lives in you. And he wants to grant you his peace, comfort, and joy, no matter what's going on around you, no matter how dark your life may look. Do you know what happens when we actively develop this intimacy with Jesus Christ? His deep and abiding love for us transforms us. And our response to that, out of an overflow of love for him, is to live in obedience to him. Not because of rules, but because of our closeness to him. It's why Jesus went to be baptized that day in the Jordan. And why he wanted to fulfill all righteousness. Because he loved his father in heaven and he wanted to show his obedience to him. The Jesus calling leads us to live lives of obedience. Today we're talking about three parts of Jesus' calling to ministry. The first was that Jesus lived a life of obedience. And the second part of the Jesus calling is that Jesus was equipped by the Holy Spirit. Jesus was equipped by the Holy Spirit, Matthew 3, 16. As soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven was opened, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and alighting on him. There are a few things happening here that need our attention. As scripture states, John consents to baptizing Jesus, and when Jesus comes up out of the water, Matthew writes that heaven was opened. Okay, guys, that's not normal. We can't know if everyone saw exactly what Jesus saw, but most scholars tend to agree that the opening of heaven was something that only he would have witnessed. I don't know about you, I've only dreamt about what heaven could look like. Maybe you're like me and you've seen those Philadelphia cream cheese commercials like I have. (laughs) I'm here to tell you that they definitely don't do justice to the splendor and glory of heaven. But I love cheese. Have you ever tried to envision what heaven would look like? Picture it in your own mind right now. Maybe take a moment, close your eyes. You would see angels, and you would see the throne of God, and God the Father himself, like long white beard, right? Sitting upon his throne, the endless sound of worship around the throne. Holy, holy, holy is the Lord God Almighty, who was and is, and is to come. And we may not know for sure until we get there, but we can imagine that it's glorious. You can open your eyes again. And we come now to Matthew 3, and Jesus comes up out of the water, and heaven opens, and he's greeted by a glimpse of what you just dreamt of. The reason he sees this is to let him know that he's on the right track. It's an acknowledgement of his calling. And then if this wasn't wild enough, in addition to this, the Holy Spirit actually descends upon him like a dove. The dove wasn't a well-known symbol of the Holy Spirit until actually after this event. But we know that the Holy Spirit descended upon Jesus as an act of anointing and empowering. This would have been like the Old Testament kings of Israel and Judah being anointed with oil by one of the prophets. The dove anointed Jesus as the Messiah. 
ultimately equipping him to do miracles, signs, and wonders during his ministry, God was up to something new. And Jesus, God's one and only beloved son, would be the one to inaugurate this new era. Jesus was equipped by the Holy Spirit. Do you know what? Did you know that the Holy Spirit wants to actually equip you too? You may not be called to be a pastor or preacher like me, but one of the purposes of the Christian life is outreach, sharing the life-transforming and life-giving testimony and story of Jesus Christ. And to do this, the Holy Spirit is available to each one of us, ready to equip us to be witnesses of him. After Jesus' death and resurrection, the Holy Spirit once again descended upon a group of Christ followers at Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. I'm not going to read that today. Maybe go home and read that. But the Bible says that tongues of fire rested on them. A dove came and descended on Jesus, but to his followers, tongues of fire came and rested on them. The Holy Spirit was released to equip and fill all believers. That means you and me too. It was just as John the Baptist prophesied in Matthew 3.11, after me comes one who is more powerful than I, whose sandals I'm not worthy to carry. He will what? Baptize you with the Holy Spirit and fire. And when the Holy Spirit rested on and baptized those early church followers, they spoke in different languages. The Holy Spirit rests on believers to grant them the power to be his witnesses. The Spirit gives us the words to say, gives us the boldness we need, and he empowers us to perform signs and wonders for his glory. Not so that we would become greater, but to make Jesus known among us. If you actually haven't prayed to receive the baptism of the Holy Spirit, I'm going to leave some time at the end of my message to pray for you. You don't need this baptism to be saved but you have access to it if you want to be a greater witness for his purpose. Jesus was equipped by the Holy Spirit, and we can be too. Okay, we've been talking about the three parts of the Jesus calling. The first was that Jesus lived a life of obedience. The second was that he was equipped by the Holy Spirit. And finally, the third is that Jesus was approved by God the Father. Matthew 3, 17. And a voice from heaven said, This is my son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. This is my favorite part of the story. There is no greater endorsement that you could receive than God the Father saying he's well pleased with you. If you thought a dove resting upon Jesus was spectacular, now a voice from heaven speaks out. I like to imagine it as like a booming voice. This is my son, whom I love. With him I am well pleased. I know that that's a little bit funny, but God's choice of words here was actually very intentional. He's alluding to two separate passages from the Old Testament put together. Psalm 2, verse 7, which says this. King David writes, He said to me, You are my son, today I have begotten you. In Hebrew custom, the king of Israel was considered the son of the national God. This verse talks about David's coronation as the king of Israel. And the underlying sense is that God's covenant with David would be fulfilled in the life of Jesus Christ. 
And the second part, whom I love, with him I am well pleased, comes from Isaiah chapter 42, verse 1. Here is my servant whom I uphold, my chosen in whom my soul delights. I've put my spirit upon him. He will bring forth justice to the nations. The original context and title of servant in this Isaiah passage takes on a messianic tone. So I want for us just for a second today to add up all the parts of this story that I've spoken about. Jesus' obedience to fulfill all righteousness and his baptism, the opening of heaven and the descending of the Holy Spirit as a dove, and God the Father speaking from the heavens using these two verses from the Old Testament. All of these things point to Jesus being called, approved, and crowned as the Messiah the anointed one, the savior of the world. And if you know how this story ends, it's really hard to ignore the fact that Jesus went in obedience to take upon a call to die. He inevitably died to be a perfect sacrifice to cover over the sins of humanity, his creation. And in this moment, as he comes up out of the water, God the Father gives him the stamp of approval This is my son, whom I love, with him I am well pleased. Everyone who heard this would have known that Jesus was approved by God, called, equipped, and approved to take on the greatest mission ever told, the mission to save humanity once and for all from the power of sin and death. And you need to know today that just as Jesus was approved by God the Father, when you give your life to follow Jesus in that moment, you are also approved by God the Father. This is the good news, my friends. Our sin used to separate us from God, but it was Jesus' death and resurrection that paved the way for us to be in a right relationship with God. And one of the deepest longings of the human heart is for approval. We look for it in so many people and different things. Approval from our parents and in our relationships. At work, whether it's our job title or our pay grade. At school, did you get honors or not? At home with our spouses and with our kids. We look for approval by the way we act around others and how we dress and how we speak. And sometimes we miss the fact that none of these things were meant to truly satisfy us. We were meant to be approved by God and God alone. See, the desire and need for approval was given to us by the one who means to fulfill it. I'm going to say that again. Our desire and need for approval was given to us by the one who means to fulfill it. Someone needs to hear this today. When you become a Christian, God sees you and he says, I'm well pleased. You're so loved. You're so very much approved by God. And all we need to do to have his approval is to actually invite him into our lives. We do this by acknowledging our sin and turning away from it. By hearing and accepting the fact that this same Jesus we're talking about today went to the cross and died. And after three days being rose again, he defeated death so that we could have forgiveness for our sins, our mistakes. If 
you haven't started this relationship before, it, it starts with a really simple prayer. The prayer goes like this, and if you want to start this relationship today, you can. Just say this prayer right after me. I'll give you a second. Clear your mind. Let's close our eyes and around here. Lord Jesus Christ, I'm sorry for the things I've done wrong in my life. Would you forgive me? I now turn away from those things. Thank you that you died on the cross for me so that I could be forgiven and set free. Thank you that you offer me forgiveness and the gift of your spirit. I now receive that gift. Please come into my life by your Holy Spirit to be with me forever. In your name I pray, amen. Amen. And I want to congratulate you. If you've prayed that prayer for the very first time, you're starting a journey that God is with you inside of your heart. It's wonderful. It's powerful. It's life-changing and transforming. And if you're watching online, you can click raise a hand and someone will be there to pray for you if you need it. Or if you accepted Jesus for the first time today, would you head back to our next steps table or tell someone maybe the person that brought you about this decision that you've made because it's an amazing thing and we want to walk with you through it. As Christians, we all have the Jesus calling. We're called to live lives of obedience. We are equipped by the Holy Spirit and we are approved by God through our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. And there are a few steps that you can take today. The first is, if you haven't been baptized, we're actually having a baptism service coming up on the 23rd of January where you can be baptized in any one of our services. If you want to identify with Jesus in his death and resurrection and make an outward demonstration of an inward reality, if you want to fulfill all righteousness, get baptized. You can sign up today at the Next Steps table or online at gt.church baptism. And secondly, if you haven't received the baptism, the infilling of the Holy Spirit, I want to pray for you right now. Why don't we stand to our feet all throughout this place or wherever you're at home, maybe posture yourself. If you would like to receive the filling of the Holy Spirit today, I encourage you, would you just take a posture of receiving? Maybe open your hands or raise them, whatever feels natural to you. And you pray with me along this prayer. Agree with me, say it out loud with me if you want. I just want to take a moment. Holy Spirit, we invite you into this place right now. You can pray along with me. Lord Jesus, I thank you that you're with me. I pray right now that your Holy Spirit would baptize and fill me just like the believers on the day of Pentecost. I surrender myself to your Holy Spirit and I accept your gift of the Spirit. Fill and empower me to be a mighty witness of your gospel and be glorified in me in the wonderful, powerful name of Jesus Christ, my Lord. Amen. Amen. We're going to take a moment and enter into some worship. I encourage you, take a moment to sing aloud. Lift up a new song of praise to the Lord Jesus Christ. Continue to worship him. And if you need any more direction or help, 
We have the team at the Next Steps table. Online, you can press request prayer and we'll be praying for you there. We wanna help you. Some of our pastoral team will be available following the service to talk if you need it. Let the Lord Jesus Christ be with you as you go, as the Holy Spirit continues to fill you and lead you into all righteousness. Let's sing.